Hello, viewers. Um, it's so nice to be with you again this time. Um, I trust that you've been good and you felt God's presence. God has been good to you. Um, it's so great to feel loved by God. And I trust God that at this time, um, he'll give us insight into his word. He will teach us, instruct us, heal us, and um, make us to be all that he has purposed for us to be. Uh, today, um, I've just titled this Free at Last, um, Free at Last, and we'll be looking at the story of a woman in the Bible, Luke chapter 13, from verses 10 to 13. It says, now he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity, 18 years, and was bent over and could in no way raise herself up. But when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said to her, Woman, you are loosed from your infirmity. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. From this passage of scripture, we can see that there was a woman here. She had a pain in her life. She had an issue in her life. She had a major challenge in her life. It says that she had a spirit of infirmity for 18 years. And she was, she was bent over. It left her bent over. It left her in a particular posture that was challenging, that wasn't good at all. And she went into the synagogue, which is like the church today, and Jesus was there. I'd like you to know that whatever your situation, whatever you are in, God sees you. And it's so comforting to know that you are seen by God. Men may not see you. They may not be able to do anything about your situation. They may not be able to deliver you. Um, the one closest to you may not even be able to help you. Um, in fact, I found out that the most important things that we have to do in life, the most important things, the things that are most crucial to our survival, men can't do it for us. Your loved one can't do it for you. Your husband or your wife, your children, that person that loves you so much. For example, someone else can't eat for you. Hello. You know. So, and uh, if you trust someone else to eat for you, <laughs> if I trust someone else to eat for me, then God forbid I'm on my way, <laughs> you know, because you just starve. And so, it's good sometimes to just look up to God, you know, and trust God and trust his love. This woman, I believe that, you know, she kept on going, she kept on going. Probably every week, every Sunday, or whenever the time for worship was. She continued to trust God. But there was one day that Jesus was there, and he, he addressed her situation. I want you to know that God knows about your situation. He sees you, and he wants you healed. He wants you healed. You might have, um, many of us have, challenges, overwhelming forces, you know, situations that seem to be beyond us. Things like addictions, 
emotional issues, you know, that may have kept us in a challenging state for so long. But I say to you, no more. Sometimes these issues have been caused by things that have happened in our lives in time past. In times past. Sometimes from way back when we were really little, you know. And those things seem to just have a stronghold and seem to control us. But I want us to know that there is deliverance. And there is freedom at last. This woman, from the story, we, we can see and it says that she could not raise herself up. She may have tried all kinds of things to, you know, become straightened. She was bent over. Can you imagine it? Can you just try and picture? If she was bent over, it meant that she was always looking at the ground. It meant that she was always looking at her feet. She couldn't see the sunny sky. She couldn't see things that were up there. All she could see was the ground. And she had been in that situation for 18 years. Being in that situation for 18 years, nothing, I mean, the, the story, the Bible doesn't say anything about her marital situation. It really doesn't matter right here. Because if she was single, which I think she was, because 18 years she has been in that situation. So if it happened to her when she was 12, now she's 30. If it happened to her when she was 5, then at this time she was 23. And if it happened to her when she was 30, now she's 48. Even if she was married before it happened, her so-called husbands might have taken to his heels. Because in her situation, <laughs> he himself might have become overwhelmed. Of course, that's not the best. Because when you are filled with the love of God and walking in the fullness of God's love, you receive the grace to persevere. You receive the grace to be there for the one that you are in covenant with. Hello? So maybe this is just a digression for the people who, are, who might be watching and are married. And even for those who are single, before you get into it, it's supposed to be for life. When we take the vows, we say, till death do us part. This woman was still alive. But her husband might have escaped. You know, I hear of stories. I've read in the newspapers before. Um, my country, and probably it also happens around the world. You hear, read the headlines. Woman gives back to triplets. Husband absconds. <laughs> but the Lord will never leave nor forsake you. Amen. That's what his, the Bible says. He said he will never leave nor forsake us. He's there with us through thick and thin. He knows, he sees the situations that we are in. And he's a good God. And even in our situations, he wants us to feel his love. To feel his presence. Not on just one special day of the year. But all through the year, his, law, his arms are always wide open, waiting for us. It depends on if we want to run into those arms. So God wants you healed. We can see that because Jesus healed her. He came to her. He said to her, woman, you are loosed from your infirmity. He laid his hands on her. Immediately she was made straight and glorified God. He said, woman, you are loosed. He didn't ask what her name was because he already knew her name. God knows your name because he knew you before he formed you. He knows that. He knows everything about you. He went straight to the point. She couldn't raise herself up. As much as you might have tried to achieve certain things and it has not happened, 
as much as you have tried maybe to make your spouse love you, he's supposed to love you. She is supposed to love you. But as much as you have tried to find favor in their side like you did before, maybe you've tried to find someone to marry and it has not happened. You've tried everything in your power and in your mind. Some people have said, be more sociable. You've tried to be sociable. It hasn't happened. Hey, be a bit quiet. <laughs> You've tried that. To some ladies, some people might have said, ah, you're living alone. You're renting this big house. You're about to buy a, 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 you know, a, a better car than the one you were riding before. Hmm, be careful so you don't scare the potential man away. If he's scared or intimidated, <laughs> then that means he's not for you. So move on with your life. And what I realize is that you've got to let God raise you up. This woman, he says she could not raise herself up. But when Jesus came, she was made straight. She was raised up. You may have done so many things to try and make certain things happen in your life. Maybe you're trusting God for a child. Maybe you've been married for years and you've not had a child and you've tried everything possible that you, you know, that you know to do. And I want you to know that your manifestation is around the corner. Yeah. It's going to happen because God loves you. And he's going to prove to you. He's going to show it. But you've got to believe. You've got to know. Our freedom has been provided for already. He says you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. So this woman was not free the day, you know, her manifestation came. She was not free the day she became straight. But in her mind, in her heart, the freedom must have occurred. Sometimes we've embraced that freedom. We've embraced the word of God. We've embraced the assurance. And that is so important. Sometimes the manifestation is long. Sometimes the manifestation is not immediate. But you have to know in the, on the inside that you're free. You have to know on the inside that you have secured your freedom because Jesus paid the price already on the cross of Calvary. He paid that price already. She must have felt some degree of freedom because she still, you know, she continued to go to church. She continued week after week until this particular day that was the day of her manifestation. And I believe, God, that your day of manifestation has come. Amen. Let Jesus raise you up. Because he specializes in doing that. Hallelujah. Amen. Let him give you the key. Though the battle rages, the Bible says, be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. Because God specializes in showing up in our situations. He specializes in showing that he is God. He specializes in taking the glory. In people knowing that this must have happened by the grace of God. Hallelujah. Amen. That this must have happened by the grace of God. And of course, nothing wrong in trying, making effort to solve the problems and the challenges in our lives. So I'm not saying that we should just sit down and say, I'm just going to, you know, you need a job for so long you've, you've not had one or, you know, you need to be employed. I'm not saying just sit down and don't go out looking for a job. Of course, go out looking for a job, but counting on God's grace. 
counting on God to show up, counting on God's uh, favor to show up for you, counting, you know, and trusting him and not trusting in ourselves or trusting in our qualifications. That's what I'm talking about because he's the lover of lovers and he's the greatest one. Hallelujah. Welcome back. This is the question and answer a segment where we're going to have an interactive time looking into our questions, providing answers. There's a question here that says, my husband buys me gifts regularly, but not the kind of gift I like. Even after I explain to him that it shouldn't be what he likes, but what I like. Would I be ungrateful to tell him to stop? Um, there's another question, and I'd like to just take the two together. It says, my spouse loves to hold hands in public while it irritates me, but it, it gets her angry when I don't. How do I bring back the smile? Because it often brings quarrel. What I see about these two questions is um, it has to do with the love languages. Um, we have different love languages, and um, they are expressing their own love language. For example, the first question is the, um, this woman's husband gives her gifts, but she realizes that those are the kind, the gifts he gives are the things he likes, and she doesn't like it. And you know, it can be, it can be irritating actually, <laughs> especially if it goes on and on and on. Um, if she tells him to stop, will she be ungrateful? Um, I think she needs to express herself clearly. Um, she said she's told him that she doesn't like, she didn't like the gift, but I think she needs to express herself clearly. Um, um, we need to get an understanding of the love languages. Um, we've understood that we have love languages, about five of them. Five, yes. yes. Words of affirmation, affirmation. gifts, um, quality, quality time, time um, physical, physical touch, touch and um, acts of service. Acts of service. Acts of service. So, um, but also, even when we talk about gifts, really, I think that in giving out gifts, we should make the extra effort to, um, especially if the person is your spouse, is your mate, that person that you know you are in love with, that person that is yours, uh, you know, your husband, your mate, your your children, you know, each and every one of them, don't give to one what the other one would have liked. I think it just takes time. We just need to um, put more effort. What happens to a lot of people is that even in marriage, a lot of people um, get lazy, you know. Um, they get emotionally lazy. It's like not making the effort to think what will best suit this person? If you really think creatively, you might still miss it. You might still be off the mark, but it won't be so way off obvious that, you know, you're just buying what you like because you know at the end of the day, you live in the same house and if she doesn't use it anyway, you will use it. So it's like giving yourself a gift. <laughs> it's just like I've heard of this before. I think someone wrote me at what time or someone was sharing this with me, you know. Man gave his wife a gift, a beautiful car, and everything. And when she looked at the documents, it was his name. 
<laughs> you know? Yeah, that might be subject to controversy because some might say, well, he may not, she may not, but if it's her gift, it should be in her name. Or maybe in the name of both of them with explanation. You know, that it's in your custody, I just put my name there so that well, there must be an explanation, but to be in his name, <laughs> do you understand? <laughs> then in the first place, it's all hers. That means he can take it at any That's time. Any that means time. He's, it's a loan. You're just going to, so it's a touchy thing and if we're not sensitive in our relationships, you might think, what's the big deal? At least I bought you a gift. Stop complaining. So she's kind of like feeling like it's better he doesn't give me at all. But I think pray about it, but take time to explain. Get a book on the love languages. Look for the book. You just Google love languages. You'll find information about it. Get him to read it, and then he would see what you're talking about. Same thing with the person that likes to hold hands and the other one feels embarrassed or irritated. That means for this person that likes to hold hands, this person's love language is physical touch. So the other person that doesn't like physical touch, you have to just sometimes um, bear with it, allow, allow, compromise. That may not be your top, top love language, but it's this person's love, love language. So you have to allow yourself to be touched, especially if you are married, especially if you're mate. You must allow yourself to be touched. And you must allow your children to touch you. If you look at some of your children, one of them might like to touch, cuddle, hug. The others don't mind. Once you give them gifts, once you say positive things to them, or, and it works the other way. Someone whose love language is words of affirmation, if you say negative things to them, they suddenly become all teary and you wonder, what have I done? Did I beat you? You know? So if you don't allow your child to touch you, that child that is all cuddly and because your love language is not physical touch, you might get that child into trouble. It might affect that child. So you must allow, you know, cuddle that child and rub the child, let the child touch you. One of my children likes to touch a lot and she likes to play with my hair when she starts and I'm like oh, enough <laughs> enough it's getting ticklish it's getting but that's our love language right would you have anything to add to that yeah I think uh, in just in addition to that I think uh, the way she would communicate that to him should be also creative maybe she could uh, decide to take him out to places that she, the kind of gifts that she likes are and tell them, you know, this would be a lovely gift, you know? Yeah, passing a message across, but in a creative way so that he doesn't, uh, because some people would be offended. So she should come up with creative ways to be able to make him understand good, that good, those good, things. Good. So that means that, in other words, we have to find ways to teach it's that person in our life as spouses, our children, just that person that you have in a relationship with. We've got to go beyond just words, but to actually teach them creatively. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, this person says, my spouse is highly critical in nature. He's a perfectionist, such as pleasing him every day is not an easy task. That was just, it's just a statement, <laughs> not really a question, so it's up for discussion. If you're in this situation, um, that you have a very critical spouse. It might be the wife that is very critical and the man is having a very tough time. Um, I think you have to talk. You have to make this person know. Not, um, don't exhibit anger or, you know, don't be violent. Just, just in a loving way, 
express to this person what you know he or she what they're doing to you because they may not really be conscious of it because it can be very very hurtful especially if <laughs> again the love language is if your love language is words you know it, it it might be very difficult express to this person pray about it make the person see and if um, they're not seeing it you might need to see a counselor who will take it further because this other person's esteem you know will be run down it will be run down this person's self-esteem will be very low um, let's look at this how do you love a man who never admits it could be wrong and this is another one. I want you to prepare for this question, one of the two of you. And another one says, what do you do if you're sacrificial, doing everything to make your relationship, but you sense your partner is not doing enough? You want to answer that? Okay. The first one is if he doesn't admit that he's wrong. I think that still has to do with um, understanding and communication because... Um, of course, maybe he thinks there are some things that he thinks you're the one that is wrong over. And you're thinking, okay, why is it that every time when we have an argument or we have an issue, he keeps saying you're at fault. And he's maybe because of his own type of person. And he thinks that he knows everything. It's very possible. You know, and uh, you know that there's no one that knows everything. The truth is, deep within him, he also knows he doesn't know everything. But there are some people that have a challenge when it's their wife or their spouse or someone correcting them. So for such, you need to really understand your spouse. That's a place of understanding because if you do not understand him, you will keep thinking he doesn't admit he's wrong, which is a lie. Uh, we individually, we have time we reflect. And if he's a normal person, if he's human too, he has times he reflects. So he knows when he has done something wrong. It's just that, you know, ego sometimes would be like, mm -mm, I'm not wrong. But deep down, they know. So what do you do? Don't often push the wrong to him. Don't also always accept the wrong. What do I mean? Uh, when you don't push the wrong, that is, don't blame anybody. Especially from your own angle. Don't place the blame. If he is placing the blame, fine. Just keep your cool as much as possible. Don't retaliate back by saying, oh, why? You, you can't you see your home fault too? You this, you this, you that. You know, because at the end of the day, it will be more aggressive to explain to you that you are wrong and to prove it to you. But the more, it's just like when, you, when um, the English people would say that um, silence is the answer for a fool. So, you know, when someone talks so much and is wondering, you're not even giving it back to me. He's thinking, am I, are you now saying I'm not right? In other words, you've communicated back to him that something is wrong somewhere. So as much as possible for that, I don't think he, is, he doesn't know that he's wrong, or she anyway, because the question is that he. Yeah, I don't think he's that he's not wrong or he's always right. He knows when he's wrong. It's just that admitting it might be a challenge. And so, and because of the Hegel part, and as a woman, understanding that first of all, that the man always have an ego and helping him to, you know, rob the Hugo, which might be also a challenge. You know what, you really, really have to work on it because you can't just say he's wrong and I'm right. Okay, uh, I'd like to say something here also yeah. that, you know, is how do you love a man who never admits? Hmm. One, love also has to be unconditional. Yeah. 
because you love this person all the same. <laughs> That's it. You love this person all the same, but I understand that, you know, it can be tough. Um, pray for this person. It could be the other way around as well, that a woman um, never admits she's right and the man is, you know, just complaining that you never... Some people find it very difficult to say sorry because um, the, they just might have the seed of pride, you know, in them, being prideful. And sometimes, you know, it's just... It might be something that's been there from their youth, childhood. It just might have been there. And I think that when you look deeply into this person's life and you look at it, look beyond how it's hurting you. Look at why it's so difficult to say, because someone might be in that situation where you said, look, can't you just say sorry, you know, and that's it. That would be, sometimes it's, it's difficult. And I think when you look at people like that, they need help also. And the help can be found in God's word actually but you can't force them to change you can't even force them to change so you may need to pray not just confront but pray talk to this person in a loving way and um hopefully maybe somewhere along the line they can change not even just for you but for themselves thank you